Okay, we'll take your Bible tonight, this morning, sorry. We'll go ahead and preach this morning too. Uh, and turn to the gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter number 10. Matthew and chapter number 10. Good to see Brother Joe Merlo here, missionary to Argentina. His wife is to have uh, bypass surgery tomorrow. So please pray for Miss Janice. We prayed for her this morning, Brother Joe, just keeping her in prayer. And so pray for her, pray for him. Um, as she has that surgery tomorrow. I know they would really appreciate that. W.L. Smith, Miss Lucy will be, uh, he's going to tell us where all he's going on Wednesday night, uh, but they've got some opportunity to travel again. That's a hallelujah. Um, real answer to prayer. He travels the globe uh, to preach and train and help. And so I'm glad, uh, glad about that, of course. The Lord had just told his disciples to pray that the, that the Lord of the harvest might send forth laborers into his harvest. That, that's the solution. As he looked out and he saw the multitudes and he saw them as sheep having no shepherd and he told them to pray. And then you find in chapter 10 that he sent forth his disciples. He chose the 12 as he started there in Galilee with them with really an unlikely bunch. I mean, really, when you study their lives out, well, here's what will happen. You'll be encouraged that they're a lot like you and, and me, that they're just common, ordinary men. And then the ladies that were along with them as well, and they had their faults. They had their shortcomings. Anybody here identify with that? And, okay. Uh, thankfully, God works with ordinary people. So that brings us to, uh, to verse 5. We're in our series. I realize we're also near the Christmas season, so I do intend to do some preaching on the, se on the season. Um, but in the meantime, uh, it's been a while since we've been in our, in our series. I was looking forward to getting back into Matthew. Really looking forward to getting back into 1 Samuel, but we'll, we'll hold off on that for a little bit on Sunday nights. Verse 5. These 12... Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any, of any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Sounds a lot like what Jesus did, isn't it? Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses. Be a leather pouch that they carried like a money bag. I'm just saying that because men don't carry purses. Are we all right? And if you are unfortunate enough to have to carry your wife's purse, you need to carry it like it's something dead, you know, just awkwardly as you can. I know that's totally a side note, but it needs clarification. Yeah. Mercy. Verse 10. <clears throat> Nor scrip for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, uh, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. And into whatsoever city 
or town you shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till ye go thence. And when you come into a house, salute it. And notice this verse number 13. And if the house be worthy, let your peace be upon it. Blessings upon that home, basically. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words when you depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily, I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah, please notice this, in the day of judgment, because there is a day of judgment coming, according to Jesus, than for that city. Now we're going to keep reading here in verse 16. I want you to notice how this escalates. Verse 16, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men. For they will deliver you up to the councils and they will scourge you or uh, flog, whip you. They will scourge you in their synagogues. You shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake and for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak. For it shall be given you in that same hour what ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. Verse 21, And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death. And the father, the child, and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. This is a very serious situation, isn't it? Notice verse 22. And ye shall be liked of all men for my name's sake. Is that what it said? Ye, they shall like you on Facebook. Is that what it said? No, he said, and ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. Now, we're not to wear that as a badge of honor. He's just simply stating it matter-of-factly, that you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. But when they persecute you in this city, flee ye into another. For verily I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. Please notice verse 24 and 25 in particular. I know we've been reading a little while, maybe you tuned out. If you have, I understand. I've done that when a preacher's reading too. But here's a real good time to get back on the bus. Look at verse 24 and 25. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough 
for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? We'll stop there. There's more to cover. In fact, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking I probably should have shortened this. We'll see. <laughs> the title is this. When everything is against you, remember who sent you. When everything is against you, remember who sent you. Do you want to be liked or like your Savior? Do you want to be liked or like your Savior? May God bless the reading of his word. I appreciate you standing for an extended period of time there. <clears throat> we live in a like it society, don't we? I mean, so much is driven by that. And, and by the way, I, unless I come across as though against every form of social media, that's not the case. That's not the point of the message here this morning. But wouldn't you agree that there is an incredible pressure on all of us to be liked? I and mean, sometimes we put that pressure on ourselves to be liked. This is what Alexander McLaren said. Um, if you ever study and use Alexander McLaren as a, perhaps as a commentary, I mean, he writes, uh, you know, quite a bit. And he wrote, you know, some time back, but it really is so applicable and, and often words things in a very helpful way. Listen to what he said on this passage. If you are like the master in conduct, you will be no more popular with the world than he was. As, listen, as long as Christianity is quiet and lets the world go on its way, the world is content to let it alone. Or even to say polite things about it. But if Christian men and women live up to their professions, namely if we are like Christ, if we hold to what he held to doctrinally, if we endeavor with the help of the Holy Spirit of God to live out the implications of the gospel day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, and regardless of what society is doing around us, if we live up to our professions, fight drunkenness, go against the lust of great cities, or apply the golden rule to business and social relationships, you will very soon hear a different shout. The disciple who is truly a disciple must share the fate of the master. You can't live in the world, I'm sorry, you can't live for the world to like you if you want to live for your Savior and live like him. Uh, the last time we were together, we were considering this uh, first four verses. It was our anniversary Sunday, our 70th anniversary, and we were considering the extraordinary assembly of ordinary people. The extraordinary assembly of extraordinary people. I might remind you today that a church family is a called out 
assembly. It's a called out assembly. What does it mean by that? Uh, it simply means this. The gospel call goes out to all to be saved, to recognize that you're a sinner and that, that you need salvation and that there's only one way to be saved and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. And God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that call goes out. And then when you hear that call, then you have the opportunity to trust Christ as your personal savior. And then, and then to follow him in believer's baptism, joining yourself unto an assembly of others that have been saved and likewise baptized. And you become part of that called out assembly. In other words, you're called out of the world in order to go back into the world to share Christ with others. It's a called out assembly. It's an extraordinary assembly. And we get in trouble when we treat such an extraordinary assembly as though it's just something ordinary. It's extraordinary because our Lord bought and paid for it with his own blood. We dare not take it lightly. We dare not think that in any way that we can ad adapt his church to accommodate a society that has lost its way regarding God and morality. Now, there was a, there was a time, I, I know that uh, our preacher in chapel this past week, Brother David Davis, he grew up in Tulsa, and he said, you know, there was a time when even lost people had a lot of the same morals that we had. And, uh, but America has changed, hasn't it, in so many ways. And so we dare not try to take our cues from a lost world. We dare not try to be seeker sensitive to the point where we want to try to make the church like it would be something that lost people would like or feel comfortable with. I mean, hang on <laughs> just a minute. Uh, I'm not saying that we ought to be obnoxious and weird. Now, some of us can't help it. I'm not saying it ought to be that we're just out here trying to fend everybody that we can and, and, and just, just being weird about it. No, that's not it at all. But what we must endeavor to do is take the doctrine of holiness, that God is holy and expects personal holiness from us, and apply that to the way that we conduct ourselves, number one, as believers individually, and then when we come together as a church family, that we would likewise say, God, we want to let you be the one that determines how we operate here at this local church Amen. and not take our cues from the world or worldly Christians. We dare not treat as ordinary what is extraordinary. And we better not get this mixed up. This is not the ordinary assembly of extraordinary people. That's not it either. So may God help us. Uh, to be faithful and attending friendly in our interaction with one another. I mean, as people are, are coming to church and a lot of this message is focused on us being evangelistic, being concerned about the lost and trying to do our part to help bring people to Christ and help introduce them to our friend and our Savior and our Lord. And, and so we certainly ought to be friendly in our interaction as we interact with people and fundamental in our doctrine and focus on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and even fervent in our spirit. I'm telling you, you can come to church and not be bored if you love the Lord. These 12, these 12, he 
brought unto himself and he trained them and now he's sending them out to take the word. And so he, he uh, brings them to send them. The king has gathered his representatives. By the way, if you're saved today, you're one of the representatives of the king. Not just any king, but the king of kings. We get to go out and represent him and we are ambassadors for Christ. And we better live mindful of that lest we would be a bad reflection on our king. So he sent them out. Verse five and six says that he sent them out first. Let's just get through the, the various parts of this. And then I, I, I'm headed a certain direction. If everybody come along, it'd be a wonderful service. <laughs> he sent them out to the people of Israel first. The very first mission field was the land of Israel. You say, hey, what about us Gentiles? He's getting to that. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Um, God sometimes says no to say yes. So he's saying, don't go to the Gentiles. But eventually the time would come when he says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, when I surrendered to preach, I took that pretty seriously and I began to practice preaching everywhere I could. And one of those places was at our barn and I preached to a stall full of horses. All right. Now, that's not what he meant, but he meant this. Go to every person. Jews and Gentiles alike. Now, I didn't know what I was going to do if one of them got saved and I had to baptize them, you know, but I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's in every creature. So it's an every creature gospel. Please never forget that. It's an every person gospel. He'd have every man to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Uh, Calvinism is not true. There's nothing of Calvinistic thinking even in the Bible, friend. I'm just telling you that he died for all because all were lost. All, were, all needed salvation. He came to seek and save that which was lost. How many are lost? All are lost. He came to save all. Came to seek all. So anyways. So he sent them to the Jews. His focus was there. That was the people group that God chose to give us the scriptures. Largely, it's the people group that God chose, by the way, to send us the Messiah. I get leery of any group that does not have regard for Israel, that does not have respect for Israel. Any group, any group, doesn't matter if they named Christ or not. Israel, God's program for Israel is still in the Bible. You cannot read the book of Romans. You cannot read the book of Revelation. You cannot read the book of Isaiah, Jeremiah, uh, Malachi, Ezekiel, Daniel. I mean, okay, I could just go through the Bible and just name all of them maybe in order. But, but to say this, God cares and loves Israel and will finish his job with Israel. They will have a literal kingdom on earth. It will be headquartered in Jerusalem. Jesus will literally come again. This is not a spiritual kingdom that we're all a part of, that, and that's all that there is. Now, if you're saved today, you are delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. So in that sense, you are. But listen, there is a literal aspect to the kingdom. He said, go first to the lost sheep of Israel. You know what that would do? That would indicate this, that with all of their religiousity, with all of their religious practices, with all of their addition even to the law, they still were lost in their sins. Sincere? Yes. Zealous? Yes. Ritualistic? Absolutely. Separated? Yes. All the above, but lost. You see, you could have all the religion in the world here today and be faithful to as much of it as you could be. But if you don't have Jesus as your Savior, you're lost. 
He sent them to the lost sheep of Israel, indicating that with all that they had going on in terms of their self-righteousness, that it was insufficient. They needed God-made righteousness, and there's only one source for God-made righteousness, and that is God. He's got to give it to you, and you can only receive that as a gift. Anything else is man-made, and it's too flimsy. He loved the Jews. He wept over the Jews. I hope you love the people of Israel. I hope you pray. I hope you obey God and pray for the people of Israel. And I, I look forward to going to Israel. Someday, it's looking more and more like the Millennial Kingdom. But uh, anyway, someday it'll open back up and we'll, as a group will get to go. And I love the Jews. I'm reading books right now on modern Jewish history. I'm as excited about going to the land of Israel because of of uh, modern history of Israel, as I am ancient history of Israel as well. But, but I, I, I love the Jewish people and Paul loved the Jewish people. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. And so he sent them, first of all, to the Jews, to their own people. You know, by the way, that'd be a good place for you to start evangelism. That'd be a good place for you to start in terms of sharing Christ. Start with somebody that you know. Start with somebody that's a lot like you and share Christ with them. And he sent them preaching. Jesus, by the way, came preaching. John the Baptist came preaching. The prophets of God came preaching. And so he sent them preaching. Do you know why? Because man's greatest need is not to be entertained. Man's greatest need is not financial. Man's greatest need is not even physical. Man's greatest need is spiritual. And there's one remedy, that's the preaching of the word of God. And so today, that's what Jesus sent them to do, to go preach that the kingdom of God is at hand. If you'd spare me, I'm going to just uh, spend a little bit more time on the aspect of the kingdom. When we come to chapter 13, we'll have a real good spot to clear off a spot and make a, a distinction and an explanation as to the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. Those terms, by the way, are used interchangeably and even by our Lord and Savior, even within two sentences. So I don't think there's a distinction between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God, but if you'll come back in about mm, two months, we'll be there. <laughs> Chapter 13. The thing I did want to get with uh, here today was this, is that the kingdom of heaven, as, as Matthew uses that terminology, because out of respect for God, the Jews wouldn't even use the name God oftentimes, just like when the prodigal son said, I've sinned against heaven against thee. In other words, he's saying, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against heaven. It's, it's in place of God there, just out of respect, out of reverence. So here you have the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, Jesus is saying this, tell them there's no time to delay. You've got to make a decision. Tell them the king is here. Tell them that there's a sense of urgency. Tell them they can't put it off. I want to tell you today, you can't put off the matter of your salvation, friend. You can't, believers, I want to say to you, you can't put off living for God. Don't say, I'll live for God when I get to be an older adult. Right now, I'm a college-age person. I always want to have a good time. The kingdom of God is at hand, friend. This is not a time for you to mess around as a, as a young person. There's enough young people messing around. You stop and you live for God. It's not a time, uh, young couples, for you to say, well, we just want to we just want to live the American dream. We just want to have a lot of stuff like all the other people around. Hey, listen, be content with what you have and live for God. The kingdom of God is at hand. Stop messing around with with Christianity and really live for God. Don't be half in and half out. Don't don't be a Sunday morning only Christian. Be an all in Christian. 
You say, if I am being all in Christian, people are going to think I've joined some cult. No, you've joined a Baptist church. And we're not a cult. We're not a cult. We believe Jesus is God. Cults don't believe that. We're not a cult. You say, yeah, but you meet on Sunday night and Wednesday night. Yes, we do. And we do visitation too. Why? Because we care about the things of God and we care about souls and we want to be diligent about the business that he gave us to do as a church. So don't, don't think, man, if I get involved in visitation, people think I'm a fanatic. And if I stop going to my family get-togethers, they'll think I'm crazy. If they, if they see me reading my Bible at, at school or at work, they'll think I've gone off the deep end. They'll think I've lost it. No, listen, friend, here's what it is. You have a relationship with God that's real, that's meaningful, that's not fake and phony, but it'll be lasting and, and meaningful in your life. See, I used to carry my Bible to school and I'd carry it in my in my book bag so nobody'd see it, a little Gideon's New Testament. I remember sitting there in my ag class. Yes, I grew up in Kentucky, and so it was core curriculum to take ag. Anyways, not necessarily, but I'd have my Bible open in that bag. Why? Kind of like this. I was covertly reading my Bible. Why? Because I was concerned about what my friends thought. I was more concerned about being liked than being like my Savior. That's where we're headed here in just a minute, in case you thought I forgot. He said, go to the house of Israel. Go there and share the gospel with them. Tell them their king is here. Tell them the kingdom of God is at hand. It's decision time. Hey, I believe it's decision time in America, don't you? It's decision time in American churches. It's decision time in independent fundamental Baptist churches. It's decision time. It's, it's decision time for us to stop playing church and be the church. It's decision time. He told them to travel light. Don't take a bunch of gold. Don't take a bunch of silver. Don't take a bunch of brass, coins. Don't take a bunch of purses. <laughs> we already clarified that. He said, don't, he said don't, don't take two coats. In other words, it ought to be this. It ought to be clear that you're here on a mission. It's not, don't take your fishing tackle. Don't take, don't take all your business stuff. You just, you go and you, listen, you trust God to take care of you. Because the laborer, the worker is worthy of his meat. And people have you in their houses and they'll take care of you. That's what they did at that time. They didn't have Hampton Inn and all the other, they had some, but they had a bad reputation. A lot of them did. So they'd stay in people's homes. I've stayed in a lot of people's homes. It's been a delight. And, and, uh, and so, but he's saying right here, you, uh, you don't take shoes. Now, I don't think he meant for them to preach barefoot. They probably had a pair of sandals, but he's saying don't take extra pair of shoes. Now, this is a unique situation. So don't try to use that on your wife saying, hey, we're on a mission here. We can't take a bunch of <laughs> shoes. You probably have about as much shoes she does, to tell you the truth. <laughs> okay, I'm meddling right here. Basically, he's just saying this. Hey, remember, remember, don't get weighed down with a bunch of stuff. You are on a mission. Hey, can I say today, I believe a lot of Christians, including us, are too weighed down with a bunch of other stuff. And we're not really on the mission that he sent us on. We're on our mission and we're, we're, we're carrying all this stuff and we're kind of weighed down and we can't move easily with the gospel. And it needs to move like really fast. It needs to get to a lot of people in short time, which means that really we need to wake up. We need to wake up from our stupor. Some need to wake up here this morning in the service. That'd be a good place to start. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Hey, wait a minute. There's a world that's dying and going to hell. Do you care? 
There are Jews that haven't heard about their Messiah yet. Do you care? All the cities in Israel itself haven't been evangelized. Didn't you see? Jesus said, they're not even going to be evangelized by the time I come. Still to this day, they're still not evangelized. There's still work to do. There's people groups to care for. I, I prayed this morning for, uh, yesterday maybe it was, a people group in, 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 in uh, the Middle East, and, and I can't even remember the name of the people group right now, but it was in Egypt. And, and I looked at all the little cities there, and I wonder, is there any kind of a gospel preaching church there, or there, or there, or there? And most likely, friend, there's not. Listen, we've got little time to do what God told us to do to get the gospel out. Why are we weighed down with all kinds of stuff and activities and not really moving with the gospel? Well, when you go, don't stay long. Don't go house to house, he says to them. Don't, don't try to find the best accommodations. And don't just camp out there. Go to the next city. Go to the next city. Go to the next city. I mean, it, really, there's an urgency here. Three possible responses that you're going to find. Reception, rejection, and resistance. Reception, rejection, and resistance. Some people are going to have you in their home. They're going to receive the gospel. The, purpose, the person of peace. In Luke's account, he says, Jesus told him, look for the person of peace. In other words, look for somebody that's open to the gospel. Share the gospel with them. Start right there. Hang on. Fish where the fishing is good. Not a thing wrong with that. You know what I'm, you know I'm going to do if I'm fishing and I just recently went and, and I found a place. In fact, I had to go beyond my brother-in-law's to this point. They were catching fish. They already had the good spots. You know, they kept, you know why they stayed there? They found a good spot. I found a good spot and I stayed in it. Catching a little bitty fish, but hey, it was fish. Fish where the fishing is good. Nothing wrong with that. Share the gospel with people that want to hear. I mean, there's people that, that I, I knock on their door, you knock on their door, and, and here's the response. You know, I just prayed yesterday that God would send somebody. Or I've been looking for a church. How many of you have been out door knocking? Let me, let, me let me just park here just a minute, okay? How many of you have been out there door knocking, or you've been talking to somebody at work, or somebody, you know, that you've come around, and you've had somebody tell you, you know, I was looking for a church. Would you raise your hand if that's you? Would you just raise it up high? Look at, look at this. Okay, look, you look, look around here. There are people that are looking for spiritual help. That's wonderful. This is wonderful. And then there's others. That are not. I would imagine if I ask you, okay, let me just ask you. We'll pull the audience right here. How many of you, have, the same group. How many of you have had people say, not interested? Yeah. Oh yeah, not interested, yes. But that didn't stop you, right? Because there are others that are interested. We had the, Angie and I were out door knocking about two weeks ago. We had one of the most strangest excuses I've ever heard in my life. And I don't know if it's legit or not. I really don't. I just, I, we walked away wondering, was that real? <laughs> this guy came to the door and he just immediately didn't say hi or anything. He just said this, my dog's having puppies. I got to go. And he shut the door. <laughs> oh, man, I'm not going to stop you. I'm just going to leave you a track in the door. What? I, I've ne that was a first. That was a first. All right. Carry on. Sometimes you're going to be received. Sometimes you're going to be rejected. It's going to happen. You're going to share Christ and people aren't going to want to hear. Not interested, not interested. Sometimes it's going to go to another level. He said, I'm sending you as sheep in the midst of wolves. We better not forget that. We're defenseless. You know, I don't, I know there's the, 
I know there's the LA Rams, so don't mess up my illustration right here. But you don't see teams named the sheep. It's not the Chicago sheep. It's the Chicago bears, right? Am I right about this? You don't, you don't have the, you know, uh, if we got an NFL team, I guarantee it wouldn't be the Oklahoma sheep. <laughs> Oklahoma lambs. No, 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 no. Sheep are defenseless. Jesus is saying, listen, I'm sending you defenseless. You've got to trust me as your shepherd. Now in that, because you're in a dangerous situation, you've got to be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. In other words, you, you've got to think about this. You've got to be careful. You've got to be cautious. While you work your job, you've got to be careful. careful. You've got to be cautious. You've got to use wisdom. A serpent, and, and obviously a serpent of bite. You say, I like that side of the illustration. That's not his point. His point is this, that serpent is shrewd. That serpent is clever. Now that could be in a negative way or a wrong way, but Jesus is saying, use it in the right way. That serpent knows when to get out of there. You've got to be, you've got to be a serpent in the sense that's wise as a serpent, but also this harmless or innocent as doves. Innocent as doves. You're going to face resistance. Beware of men, he says. Beware of men. You're supposed to reach people, but beware of people. Okay, notice how this escalates. You go from reception to simple rejection. People are saying, you know, I'm not really not interested. But now there's a level of this. Everybody listen to this still? There's a level right here where it goes to not just simple, unfriendly rejection, like I'm not interested, to now there is a level of an effort that is organized to stop you. And there's categories of that. And here they are. Religious resistance, synagogues, councils, religious resistance, governmental resistance, resistance from the highest levels of society, which, by the way, that indicates that Jesus expected them to go to the Gentiles, right? As he, as he said, if they're going to be standing before, well, Paul did eventually, Nero, he went to the very pinnacle and stood there giving answer for why. He gave his life to this Jew that was crucified. And the Romans despised people that were crucified. The Jews despised people that hung on a tree. And why this Jew that at one time sat in an elite Jewish school at the feet of Gamaliel, why he gave his whole life to serve this Jesus. Here's why, because he saw him alive from the dead. And he stood at that tribunal. And Jesus told them, listen, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to get easier as you go along. How many of you right here today would say, I sure wish it worked that way. I wish life got easier as I went along. But how many of you say, I wish I could go back now to kindergarten where I could take a nap in the middle of the day. <laughs> it gets harder. Am I right? School gets harder as you go along. You say, yeah, that's why I didn't want to go along. As you pass tests, you get harder tests. That's exactly why I didn't want to pass that test. Is this making sense? It doesn't get easier as you go. It gets harder as you go. 
uh, my sons just played in, in, in a basketball tournament, just a, a three-day tournament. And so as, as they kept playing and if they won, then the next team was harder. Are you following me? It gets difficult. It gets more, when they, it gets more and more difficult than winning the tournament because that team was tough. It gets harder as time goes along. I'm saying today, listen, Jesus told us lovingly, it's not going to get easier if you are really my disciple. If you really apply what I'm telling you, they're going to treat you just like they treated me. And honestly, folks, today, we don't have, we don't deserve to be treated any better than our master and our Lord. We, we don't deserve some kind of preferential treatment just because we're his children. We can kind of get to thinking that way, like, God, why is this happening to me? Why is this going on? Why are things so hard? Because we get in our minds that somehow it's supposed to be easy for us. Was it easy for Jesus? He faced persecution. He faced resistance from the the religious leaders. And listen, I, I'm just telling you today, there's a lot of ways that this does apply to where we are here as is even the religious world would look at us and say, that's a cult or look at us and say they're legalistic or look at us and say they've got standards. They try to live a certain way. They, they try to dress a certain way. They hold a certain Bible. They, they preach and, and say that Jesus and his way of salvation is exclusive. And they say only by grace can a man be saved. And they, they would mock people like you. And then, and then if you have a cake business or a cupcake business and you don't want to do a wedding cake for two men that are saying they're getting married, then we'll take you to the Supreme Court. And that happened. And that's happening. And Jesus said it was going to happen. Should we be surprised? If you stand for traditional marriage, if you stand for life beginning at conception, if, if you stand for the Bible being the Word of God, then listen, Jesus said, they're going to treat you like they treated me. And maybe even members of your own family are going to reject you. Some of you are here today and your family doesn't want much to do with you because you're here today. Is that right? And I, and I, I think it must be much more severe in Jesus' time and and in parts of the world, in Asia and in the Middle East, in China, etc., places like that where there's real bona fide persecution. There are people that had their brother or their sister or their mom or their dad or their kids that turned them over to the authorities because of the pressure that was on them and it led to their executions in modern times. Listen today, the point is this. You're either going to live to be like your Savior or you're going to live to be liked by the world. You can't have both. Tommy needs to be at the ball game Wednesday night. Uh, we got church Wednesday night. Tommy can't be there. Tommy won't play anymore. We're not trying to raise an athlete. We're trying to raise a Christian. Is this making sense? 
I'm not, I mean, I've got my boys playing ball right now, but the team they're on understands that if it's revival, if, it, if I want them going on visitation, whatever it is, that's where they're going to be. Because, well, people aren't going to like that. People aren't going to like that. Are you going to live to be liked or to be like your Savior? Some of you have given up on having biblical standards in your life because you want to be liked. You want people on Facebook to like you and all the other social media outlets. You want to be liked. And you're more concerned about being liked than you are about being godly. Yeah, maybe somebody here has a roommate that's having people over that's drinking or acting immoral. What are you going to do? Are you going to just go along with that or are you going to find a different place to go? Are you going to be liked or be like your Savior? A group of people gossiping, talking about somebody. Are you going to join in that? Or are you going to say, hey, we don't need to be talking about that? Awkward. Huh? I try to make it a goal in life not to be awkward. You say, too late. Well, that's rather awkward. No, it's not my goal in life to make things awkward, but sometimes for righteousness sake, things may get a little bit awkward. And she say, you know, we don't need to be talking like that. We don't need to be talking about that person. The boss tells you, uh, hey, just tell him, tell him I'm, I'm running late, but he's right there in the office. And he's ready, but he wants you to lie for him for whatever reason. Are you going to be liked? Or are you going to be like your Savior? Your kid is invited to a friend's birthday party. And the parents say, well, we're going to go see this movie. And you begin to ask questions about the movie. And they say, hey, look, if you don't want your kid to come, then don't, don't worry about it. Do you want to be liked? Or do you want to be like your Savior? Are you listening to me here this morning? This is where it kind of hits the road, isn't it? Your granddaughter's excited about coming by. This is from a man named Don Snookin. It's a really good illustration of what I'm preaching today. He said, your granddaughter's coming by to visit you. You live in LA and, and uh, they're going to stop in and she's excited to stop in. She's got a little bit of time. She's going to spend the night. And, oh yeah, by the way, grandma, I've got, I've got a friend with me. Oh, what's, what's her name? His, and she said, her name, his name is John. Well, he can, he can maybe stay in the room that's in the basement. Oh no, we, we stay together. They're not married. Are you going to be liked? And, or like your Savior? A parent speaks up at the uh, PTA meeting. Remember them? <laughs> About the curriculum that's being used. It's concerned. Everybody's eyes on you. Because you're saying, this isn't right. I believe the time's coming maybe in our country and I'm not taking great joy in that. I'm just simply saying we better get real about serving God. 
And we better get firmly planted in our hearts and minds or settled is what I mean in our hearts and mind that I'm not here to be liked by this world. In fact, I'm here because I love my Savior and I want them to love my Savior. And I'm not trying to fit in with them and be liked by them. And they may say on me and they don't like me and they don't like what I stand for, or like what you stand for, or like what your family stands for, or like what this church stands for. And your own kids may say on you on, on, in that way and say, I don't like that. I don't, I don't want to go along with that. Well, listen, here's, here's the approval that really Every one of us need to seek, beloved. Every one of us, everyone here today needs to seek God's approval above man's approval because God's approval is the approval that really matters. Will you live to be liked or do you really want to be like your Savior? Let's stand together here today. You must decide. You must decide. If you're going to be liked, or you're going to be like him. Earlier in the message, I did mention and preach some on the gospel. And if today I realize the message is, is pointed, it's about Jesus sending his disciples. But if you allow the reason that he sent his disciples was because there are people that were in their sin and not right with God and they needed to be saved. And if that's you here today, then we urge you in just a moment as a choir begins to sing and they're going to lead us in singing Jesus' calling, page 251, then you're urged to just step forward and let somebody take a Bible and show you. Just come here to the front. We'll have somebody here to meet you, greet you, and then show you uh, from the Word of God how that you can be forgiven of your sin. But today the message certainly is, and unapologetically so, pointed right at Southwest Baptist Church to say, church, listen, we need to be like our Savior and not be consumed with being liked by the world. May God help us. May God help us. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer and then the choir is going to begin to sing, but the Ted's going to take the invitation. I'm going to get ready for baptism. And if today you have spiritual need, I want to urge you to come on this very first verse. Would you please? Father, I thank you today for your word and how it's helping us to this very day. Help us to respond rightly to you in Jesus' name.